Drama City Productions presets. Immersion rig now online. Welcome nerd. Error security update needed. Error. 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 Forcing launch. Now loading episode 92. Welcome to Horror Month. Don't be afraid of me. Featuring horror. Featuring horror. I'm just gonna bash your brain. I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. Featuring horror. I wanna play a game. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is David. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Horror Month continues on. Christian it is our second week. Yes. How's the Halloweening going, Christian? I'm trying to figure out like a Squidward costume at the moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is this going to be like a couple's costume? Yeah, she's SpongeBob. And I oh, figured, that's right. You, know, you did talk about that what, before. Because I, I don't want to be Patrick. <laughs> I feel like you make a good Patrick, though. I don't know. I feel like I make a good depressed, upset dude, you know? Yeah, that too. Exactly. <laughs> so, Squidward works. Okay. All right. What are you thinking? So, this is going to be like a kind of like a... It's going to be super simple. Like, I'll I'll, I'll wear like a undershirt that's, you know, light blue like a skin and then a shirt. Like that. The part I was having a hard time with was like a mask or like something I could... Because he has a very distinct mm-hmm. shape of head. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm looking everywhere online. There is no set costumes for this guy. Are you going to, like, Pinterest and stuff? You just, I mean, it sounds like it's going to basically DIY. So, yeah, like, but I, it's like, I don't want to just cut something out. Well, no. I'm not talking about, like, a template or something. But I'm sure there's probably tons of ideas I'm telling you, man. I'm looking. I, I even considered buying a mascot costume of his. Well, <laughs> listeners out there, if you have any idea yes. for Christian with his Squidworth costume... Go ahead and message us. If you want to mail me one. Or Or maybe buy an Amazing Nerd Show shirt and, you know, maybe you could put some Uh, money into it. I (laughs) guess. Which is on Pro Wrestling Tees and Tee Public. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review as always on iTunes so you don't miss a second of Horror Month. Uh, Our horror, top horror icon countdown will continue this week. Um, you know what? I have a confession, Christian, to make. I've recently discovered I like candy corn. Did you recently discover Yes. I, for me, for years, candy (laughs) corn has just been, like, vile, you know? Mm. And I've just stayed away from it. And I don't, I just feel like there's a stigma around, like, candy corn. I like candy corn. A lot of people hate it. You are fucked up, man. See? (laughs) (laughs) Now I feel really bad for liking candy corn. <laughs> but, you know, I had there was some candy corn mm. in our candy jar. Uh, and I I had some, you know, because I was hungry. We didn't have m- many snacks in the house. And I was like, this, is, this isn't half bad. And now I feel like an old man. Because I feel like only old people really like candy corn for some reason. You know, like I put it up there with like the hard candy mm. in the bottom of your grandmother's purse. Give it a week. See if you're in a position where you're not as desperate for a snack. Give it a try. See if it works. I will, we'll see. I don't know, man. <laughs> I wasn't like starving, but I was like, no, this isn't half bad. Like I ate 
the entire package of candy corn. Now, it was in a big package. I don't want to sound like I'm a slut, but it was, you know, like a little tiny, like, you know, trick-or-treat size, you know, thing. I, I mean, as a kid, like, when you got candy corn, I would always just be pissed. Like, I wouldn't egg the house or anything like that, but it was always a downer, like, a oh, candy corn. No one wants that. I've always loved candy corn. Really? Do you but like I... circus peanuts, too? Kind of. Oh, man, that explains so much to me right now. <laughs> People say I so am So if an anyone man, else is so. looking for a podcast host right now, um, I am available. Shoot us a DM. <laughs> but, all right, well, bad tasting candy aside, let's move. You know what? No, not aside. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Well, my favorite candy in general is Reese's. It'll okay. always be Reese's. Okay, fine. Peanut butter and chocolate. Perfect. You've won some respect back okay. with me. I, 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 any peanut butter and chocolate, I'm good with. Exactly. Peanut butter cups all the way for me. Um, are you more of a pieces guy or pieces definitely? Really? Okay, that's not bad though. And in the movie theaters, I usually mm-hmm. get the Reese's pieces. So, but it's like strictly you know theater candy for me, which is weird to say, but that's just how I roll, man. Well, the problem is, is my girlfriend is allergic to peanuts. Oh, so I can. My favorite thing is peanut butter. How yeah, allergic? Like, definitely. Like, like EpiPen, like, yes. allergic? <laughs> like, her throat closes yes. up. Aller- so can you even, like, breathe it around her? No. Oh, shit. Well, she will be like, no, just eat it. It's okay. I'm like, but you will start choking. <laughs> you will die. <laughs> <laughs> so you must be really into this relationship, man. Yeah. If you're willing to give up fucking peanut butter cups? I guess. I don't know, I'm man. eating them at work, so... <laughs> <laughs> And like brushing your teeth exactly. when you get home, like you're, <laughs> like you're cheating or something. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on yes. to our top horror icon countdown. Uh, last week, to recap, uh, we, it's really a top 15 mm-hmm. countdown, right? Um, yeah. Which is a weird number, but it took hours of debating back and forth and deliberating, and that's the number we came up with. Yes, so that's I what... recently had to bring in other people to make a point. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it was a good point, so yes. we'll talk about that later. But uh, our last three, let's go ahead and recap that. We had up at 15, we had Sam from Trick or Treat. Yes, then we had at 14, Samara from The Ring. And then at number 13, we had none other than Tony Todd as Candyman. Yes, now can you say that four more times for me? I fucking want Because <laughs> I don't want to die, Christian. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and continue on from the number 12 spot. And that is none other than the legendary Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't speak easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? First appearance is in the novel The Red Dragon by Thomas Harris um, and in the film Manhunter directed by Michael Mann. Uh, He is portrayed by many different actors, uh, first being Brian Cox in Manhunter, uh, then by, of course, uh, Anthony Hopkins in The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal and Red Dragon, then by Gaspard uh, Ulysses uh, in Hannibal Rising, and then by Mads Mikkelsen and the Hannibal TV series. 
um, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, if you have not checked out the series, definitely do so. Um, it ended way too soon. Um, I know there's been lots of rumors about them bringing it back in some form or fashion. So, um, but I gotta say, like, for me, the last, you know, those, especially the last two seasons, um, I, I would actually put Matt's, like, performance up there with Anthony Hopkins, and that's saying a mm -hmm. lot. So, but I just love everything they did with, you know, Hannibal and Will's character and everything like that, and the dynamic between them. Um, just a lot. They just brought so much depth to those characters and their relationships, mm -hmm. so... And the show's just a masterpiece. It really is. Like, it's an HBO show, like, quality-wise, mm -hmm. on, like, ABC. So, um, which is, it's crazy to say. Like, I'm, like, watching that show, like, that first is like, what is this doing on network TV? <laughs> and why are they making, like, cannibalism seem so fucking delicious? <laughs> like, like, so, the whenever he would do a kill and, like, they would do an extensive, like, scene with him, like, preparing the food and, like... It literally like mouth watering, which is <laughs> I know it sounds really disturbing, but they actually got like these like gourmet chefs, like renowned gourmet chefs, like to like go through the process and show them how to do everything properly and everything like that. So I, it, you know, the whole show is just this huge mind fuck, but it's it's just a really entertaining, fun like hour. So I mean, definitely check that out. Um, and I hope they bring it back. But yes, no, but let's talk about, you know, Hannibal as a character. Um, what do you love about this character? Why is he on your list? Because he was on both of our lists. Well, yeah, I think he it was very much, as you said, like even just Matt Mickelson's character. But Anthony Hopkins is all a mindfuck. Yes. You know, in general. Um, you know, he's very psychological in the way he reacts with people in general. Um, he's definitely there as... A manipulator. He's gonna, you know, get through everything. He's got a plan as well. Yes, I'd like to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, you know, you never know where you stand mm. with him as a character until it's too late, right? Um, you know, there's times where it feels like, you know, he's genuine with like Clarice. Um, and with Will too, um, you know, I, a lot of people aren't fans of like Red, the Red Dragon, the the remake, you know, of uh, Manhunter. Mm -hmm. I'm actually a big fan of the movie. I've watched it quite a lot, um, and I'm also a fan of Hannibal. So, um, but you know, in both of those movies, you know, the character is so fucking charming, and you know, inside his lamps too, to a certain mm -hmm. extent. But he's the kind of character that you really, really almost want him to like you a little too much. Well, you could argue that, like, cows that are treated well mm -hmm. by their owners taste better. <laughs> and that's probably his mindset. Yes. But what, what, too, the charm of the character, too, is, like, he's kind of the, has this edict of, mm. like, he eats the root, you know? Yes. Um, so as long as you're polite, you know... You're not, you know, in danger with him. So he might take an interest in you, but, um, you know, it seems like you're safe. Um, so it almost makes him like this in a 
really sick and twisted way, like almost an anti-hero. Mm. So, Killer with a code. With, you know, with Silence of the Lambs, I mean, when he finally does escape, you are rooting for him, mm. you know, regardless if you want to admit it or not, you know, <laughs> you don't want to see that character captured. No. So, um, do you have, like, a favorite moment? With I think him? my favorite moments, you know, kind of stick with him behind bars, talking to Clarice, you know, really take, taking her mind for a loop, you know, because she's trying to understand the mind of a killer. And, you know, Buffalo Bill is definitely one mind that's hard to get into. And, of course, who better to ask than Hannibal, you know? Yes, yes. Um, you know, and I think that also, like, you know, he you feel like he's on your side, mm-hmm. too. And it's that whole scenario of him helping out these detectives to catch these other monsters out there. Um, you know, it, you know, it really, it takes one to know one really. I mean, when it comes down to it, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I love the, the intro scene in silence of the lambs when mm-hmm. we first like, you know, lay our eyes upon Hannibal and he's just like standing in the middle of his cell, you know, just staring, you know, awkwardly, you know, um, at Clarice, um, you know, in this just, you know, like just this almost like pristine cell too. Like it's mm-hmm. so clean and everything. It's like it represents his character so well. And then my other favorite scene with Hannibal is actually in the movie Hannibal, uh, when he is literally feeding um Ray Liotta's character his own brain. Um, he's like actually cutting it out of his skull and, you know, throwing it on, you know, some kind of fryer and then feeding it to him and describing it to him. Um, completely demented, mm-hmm. insane, but so entertaining at the same time. Man, people are gonna lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> you might have an issue. They're gonna play this in court one day. Sure. <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, I, with Candyman, one of the reasons why he was lower on the list was just because, you know, the sequels aren't that strong for me i actually really enjoy you know red dragon hannibal like i said and i think that brings him further up the list um you know even though some people might disagree with me um i think the problem with those two movies a lot of times is they're compared to silence of the lambs Mm -hmm. and you know silence of the lambs is a fucking masterpiece um where these movies are more kind of you know i don't know they're they're more comfortable in their horror roots, if you will. You know, they're not afraid to be a horror movie. Yeah. Not saying that Silent Lambs was worried about that. And not saying that that isn't a horror movie. No, but... But I, they lean more into mm, the horror aspect of the I would know, the say character. Silence of the Lambs leans more into a psychological thriller with more of a, a crime drama background to it. It's a horror movie, Christian. God damn it. If, but I'm just trying I, to give it some you more... You sound like the Academy. But I see I'm what you're saying. <laughs> But it's more of a psychological horror film yes. where Hannibal is a straight up fucking horror movie. Um, you know, and same with Red Dragon and everything like that. So, you know, if you haven't seen those movies in a while or you haven't even checked them out because people told you to stay away, give them a shot. Give them a chance. <laughs> God damn it. Damon's so, recommendation. Yes. I don't know if you can trust it at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> give it a chance. Uh, but stay away from Hannibal Rising. That's a piece of shit. And stay away from Damon. He might eat you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Yes. All right. So number 11 is Jack Torrance from The Shining. Like, 
killed you with Bailey. You did this to me. Did you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Jack was a writer and a recovering alcoholic who lived with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, the latter of which wielded a special psychic power known as The Shining. Jack was put in charge of the Overlook Hotel and during the time there was driven into madness by all the spirits that possessed the hotel and is driven to kill his own family. All right, Jack Torrance is the main protagonist slash antagonist of the novel The Shining, written by Stephen King, of course, back in 1977. The film came out uh, in 1980, uh, the adaptation being done by Stanley Kubrick. The film um, shows the one kill that doesn't even happen in the book um, that Jack even did. That's right, that's right. Uh, and what a glorious kill it is. <laughs> yes. So uh, no one does crazy like Jack Nicholson. No. That's why this character made my list and also made your list. Mm. Um, just something is fascinating about watching this character's like downward spiral into madness. So, and just like truly haunting, you know, that just the way that the, the film is shot and everything by Stanley Kubrick. You know, you don't know what the fuck is going on half the time mm -hmm. in that movie, but just knowing, you know, that he's slowly losing losing his mind and where we're gonna end up. You know, I, I remember the first time I saw the film. I think I was probably a teenager actually, and I was. I mean, just the sense of dread and everything. Like, what's he gonna do? Like, and, and you know, at that age, not even like you know, realizing what it's like to be a family man and what it really means to like you know have like you know turn on your family mm -hmm. like that. Um, now I look at the film completely differently because, you know, in the point of view of a father and as a husband, and everything like that, it's just unimaginable that he would be pushed that far. Now in watching the movie in hindsight, it kind of feels like Jack's already a little crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I still appreciate it regardless. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it is just the definition. Like for me, it's like the definitive betrayal of, you know, a man, you know, suffering through cabin fever and just finally breaking. Um, so it, it's such a fun portrayal, though. You know, it's so quotable and so classic. Exactly. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons, like, it was on both of our lists for just best horror films in general. Yes. Last year when we were doing Horror Month, definitely go check those out, back catalog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. He, he just personified crazy in the right ways by the end of this film. That just stick with you either way. Like how, I mean, how Hannibal was haunting. This was just, you know, pure, like what, what's my idea of a mad father going after the kills? I feel like this film does it even better than Amityville. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, so, I agree a hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's something like, once again, like with mm -hmm. Hannibal, there's something charming about Jack Nicholson losing his mind. Uh, so, I mean... He does it in such a charismatic way mm -hmm. that, you know, not that you're rooting for him, but you're, you're still enjoying it. You're entertained yes. by what you see. Um, so 
I mean, it's just, I mean, and then just Stanley Kubrick and everything that he brought to the table and everything like that. Um, just, you know, the, the direction, the, the framing of the shots and everything where it makes the film feel even bigger, you know, and just the, the Overlook Hotel as a setting mm-hmm. is so perfect, you know. Um, it, it really does, you know, add so much to the movie. So, I mean, it feels like it's its own character, really. So, and you don't know what the hell is going on. It's the kind of movie you can watch multiple times and like catch new things. Yes. I remember like the, the, you know, legendary bear scene in the movie. Do you know what scene mm-hmm. I'm talking about? I don't remember that. Like I watched the movie at least three or four times with somehow not seeing that scene. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I remember watching with a group of friends and like, I think all of us were like, whoa, what the hell was that? I don't know if we're seeing like an edited version of the movie, but none of us like ever like caught that little moment before. So we're like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Um, Just a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Man, people were like, Damon needs this episode. Um, I guess the the last point I really want to make is just like, I hope, because what you said with the hotel being a character itself, I hope that what they do with um, Dr. Sleep can live up to this. I know, because they're going back to the Mm -hmm. hotel, which I didn't see coming until this last trailer. So, and that comes out in early November. So, we'll find out soon enough, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, no. Definitely, if you've never seen The Shining, though. I mean, why are you even listening to the show? (laughs) Go, go watch it now. Like, it's literally, it's one of those films that I think personify the Halloween season for me. Like, it's one of those ones I can go back to every single year. Oh, I felt like the yeah, too, and it's, like, always playing on exactly. AMC, like, constantly. So, and I always, like, you know, find it somehow, like, cruising the channels, and I always stop and have to watch it throughout. So, mm. all right, man. So, who do we have next? Next, we have Jigsaw at number 10. The Jigsaw Killer. With a razor wire. Technically speaking, he's not really a murderer. He never killed anyone. Dr. Gordon, your aim in this game is to kill Adam. If you do not, then Diana will die. He finds ways for his victims to kill themselves. I'm sick of people who don't appreciate their blessings. I've given you a life purpose. Looks like our friend Jigsaw likes to book himself hard round seats to his own sick games. He doesn't want us to cut through our chains. He wants us to cut through our feet. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. Not anymore. You are a drug addict. Do you think that is why he picked you? He helped me. Don't believe Adam's lies. John Kramer is a former civil engineer dying of inoperable cancer. After a suicide attempt, John found new appreciation for his life and decided to dedicate the rest of his life to inspiring the same appreciation in others by testing their will to live. His methods include forcing his subjects through deadly scenarios, which he referred to as games or tests, in which they are forced to inflict pain upon themselves or others in order to escape. These tests were typically symbolic, 
of what Jigsaw perceived as a flaw in the person's moral character or life. The Jigsaw name was given to him by the media for his practice of cutting a puzzle piece-sized chunk of flesh from those who fail, which I totally forgot about. Yes, because the sequels don't honor it too much but <laughs> yeah uh he's portrayed by none other than tobin bell um his first appearance was in saw written and directed by james wan and co-written by Leigh Whannell. and technically his kill count is zero <laughs> <laughs> but you you could probably argue that yeah that it might be more around like 80 something their sins are what killed them uh-huh sure <laughs> <laughs> No, I think um, a lot of the same reasons that we love Hannibal is the reason we love this character in general. I'm I'm, I'm basing this around him being you yeah. know, righteous in the way he kills and to a certain extent. To yeah. an extent, yeah. So <laughs> I I agree. You know, he feels more almost like a vigilante in a way. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know about torturing like junkies <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> but he has built a nice little cult around him. Mm. You know. Um, and Jesus Christ, man, there aren't many iconic, like, boogeymen, like, in the past, like, decade or so. I mean, none bigger than really Jigsaw, if mm-hmm. you think about it. So, um, because when we were putting together this list, I was like, man, all these characters are great, but, man, they all, like, started, like, 20, 30 years ago. Exactly. So, um, it was a little sad to see, actually. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I, if anyone is up there on the list, you know, more modern wise it's definitely jigsaw i mean he inspired what like how many films are there at this point yeah there are eight films in the series so far and we've got the upcoming chris rock remake yes right is it it, like officially a remake i've seen anything that says that's officially a remake but it's gotta be well it feels like studios too are just trying to stay away Mm -hmm. from the word remake um, but like I think I've heard spiritual remake at this point, right? Yes. <laughs> like that's the new one. Like whatever, man, just call it a remake. It's okay. Um, it's not a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Um, I hate when people are trying too much to connect it to the original films while also making it something new. Like it's just do something new in general. Yes, yes. If there's a great character and you have an awesome story to tell. Mm-hmm. And that can work with that character. I feel like there's nothing wrong with like introducing that, you know, the whole concept, you know, of, in the story to a new audience. I, they did it with the Universal Monsters yes. for years. It's 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 not anything new. If there's any character right now that you know could handle a reboot in general, I feel like Jigsaw can handle it right now. Yes, I mean we lost him in movie three. And his legend has continued on somehow. How insane is that, though? <laughs> Think about it. Like, that character died in the mm-hmm. third movie, and yet those movies just kept on marching. They found ways to yes. continue that franchise no matter what. And there was a while where, you know, the Saw franchise, like, dominated October. Like, no horror movies mm. would get released in October because they were scared to compete against Saw, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous because... Horror fans, no matter what, they want to see a horror movie every weekend, you know? So um, it, it was a little maddening and frustrating at times, and I think I kind of, like, held it against the franchise at a certain point. Um, but I really dug the first four movies. 
Uh, the first one, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that was that was interesting. I didn't, like, see, oh, this is definitely going to be a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one came out. I was like, holy shit, we've got a franchise on our hands. Um, it was just so smart. And, like, it, you know, you it kept you guessing. So, and I, like you said, with, you know, the Jigsaw character, you know, he feels righteous in what he's doing. It, 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 you know, he feels like he could be on par with, like, the Punisher or something. Um, so, it... I don't feel like he's sympathetic, but you know it made sense for that character's story. I'll definitely say, if there was a character I was rooting for, it was probably Jigsaw. Yeah. Well, and then how cool are all the puzzles and yes. traps and everything like that? And what's fun about the movie for me mm-hmm. is like putting yourself in that scenario and being like, what would I do? Could I do this? You know, or would I just end up, you know, like saying, okay, I'm done. You know, just, you know, letting it be. Um, I think what's interesting is, like, how, like, drastic of a change there is between the first and second film where, like, the puzzles just went up there out of nowhere. Like, they're just trapped in a room. It was very low budget and constrained, but it was it was still a good, well-written story. It was clever, but, mm. yeah, no, it, it's nothing compared to what happens in the second film. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a whole... That's where they started this whole idea for the franchise, for sure, was the second film comes and there's nothing but traps and i mean there's still the story is still there they still have like you know his uh, motives and everything but you can see that they i mean what stuck for that whole franchise was the traps and the concept going forward well it did feel at times mm. too like the screenwriters probably sat down and started like designing those traps first yes. and then like okay how can we base a story around you know these new traps and everything you know good or bad um, but they also, I, I, they would do a lot of little like, you know, layering with like clues and shit that you didn't think of. Mm-hmm. And maybe they didn't really think of until they like just rewatch it. Like, oh, she's wearing this necklace. Let's go ahead and tie that into like, you know, you know, the entire story. You know, they, they're just little things like mm-hmm. that where like, oh, I didn't see that. You know? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they're pretty ingenious though at times. So I, I, I you know, I dug it for about the first four. four. And, and then, then it started getting a little ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. People that should absolutely hate him were like pretty much his pawns now. Uh, continuing forward for five, six, and seven. It was his wife was uh, eventually doing the traps. Yeah. It was just. <laughs> it became a little too much. Yes. A little too hard to swallow at a certain point. So, because um, they even brought uh, back uh, Princess Bride. What's his name, yes. right? <laughs> They're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Like, come on. Yeah, it was it was very ridiculous. Yeah, that was the very end, though, right? Mm-hmm. right? Was that the he last came out one? of nowhere. Uh, I think that's uh, six. Right, that's like the mm. big surprise at the end. Spoilers for a movie that's like ten years old. Uh, but yeah, no, I yeah, that's when it definitely jumped the shark for me. So um, I, the look of the character, though, I think is classic. Mm. I'm just like you know with Billy the puppet and everything, his use of him, but then also the robe and the fucking pig masks pig mask, and yeah. everything. I mean, pretty fucking iconic. So he definitely belongs on this list in that fucking voice, man. He's probably up there with Tony Todd when it comes mm-hmm. to his voice. So like for the Chris Rock remake. Do you cast someone else besides no Tobin Bell? Like, who has a voice right now for that role in general? I feel like Tobin Bell is good to go. Like, there's no reason mm-hmm. to, like... And he's so, you know, identified with that character. It's going to be hard for anyone to envision anyone else besides Tobin Bell. So, um, I really don't know who you would go to. 
So, and maybe it's better that they don't go to a name. Maybe they need to keep it like an unknown mm-hmm. actor and everything so he can kind of leave his mark with the character. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that voice and everything like that, I'd be totally fine if they went back to Tobin Bell. You know, and just told a different story with a character. Me too, because I can't imagine someone else in that role. Right no, now. I really, it really, it's the same thing. It's the, it, they're going to run into the same problem that Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. did with their remake, where just people still can't move past Robert England, which rightfully so. But so. honestly, um, the remake's actor, Jackie Earl Haley, um, it's a fantastic actor. I feel like he could also, if if they were to get another person, fill this role. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. He might have too much baggage, though. <laughs> True. <laughs> Replacing, like, two icons. But he was know? the first person to come to mind. Yeah, voice-wise especially. Mm. So, And he definitely has the chops acting-wise. So it could work. I just feel He's like they'll probably... Going to. Yeah, they're going to stay away just uh-huh. because of the baggage of trying to replace Robert England and failing. You know, so... Um, but, you know, I, I definitely feel like Jigsaw belongs on this mm. list. Um, I think he belongs at least at in the top ten range. Absolutely, and that's where we put him. And mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's nice to have someone who's a character that was created just like, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, so. I mean, that was, as I've told many times, but for new listeners, my like Halloween tradition with my mom was to go see these movies, so... Yeah, no, and that's what it's all about with Halloween mm. tradition, goddamn, <laughs> and death, <laughs> lots and lots of yes. death. So that's gonna do it for this week for our horror icon countdown. Tune in next week to hear our next three picks. Yes, and once again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. God damn it! All right, Damon, let's get into the news. All right, Christian. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We are not mild manner reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. Yes, starting off this week, we wanted to stick with uh, Halloween themes. And what better than Halloween Kills? Uh, more of the next film has been like kind of coming out, rumors, leaks. I mean, this time it's an actual image of where they're shooting. And it's, it's Haddonfield uh, Memorial Hospital. Yes, they are going back to where the sequel, the original mm-hmm. sequel to Halloween, took place. So um, <laughs> I'm wondering if it's just for a scene. I, I'm wondering if it's just a little, you know, Easter egg for fans. You know, something, you know, fun to get the fans talking and speculating with. What would you be upset if it was all at, that th- uh, all at the hospital? I feel like we've seen it before. Yeah. And it'd be a little weird to like base the whole i don't know <laughs> then you're just kind of rehashing you know, like come on man and you're not supposed to and in this continuity they didn't go there uh-huh. so it's a little odd it's i mean like, i guess they could have gone there but it's you know, like um it's like they want to like reference the sequels but not reference the sequels i'm just imagining you know laurie strode is sick so she has to go to the hospital they take her to Haddonfield for some reason Uh uh-huh right (laughs) like at that point why the fuck aren't you just like as far as Uh possible from Haddonfield go to california uh we know sheriff brackett's coming back uh we've got the nurse from the first one coming back well and the second one Mm. but we're pretending the second one didn't happen so i don't get it but whatever uh so it feels like they're really you know paying homage to the first film and mm-hmm. the second film but it, it just story-wise it worries me that it's not gonna really make any sense like why these characters mm. are still hanging around Haddonville and how they would kind of you know i don't know cross paths with michael again so i i 
it is what it is. Like I'm, like I said, I wonder if it's just fan service. And there, you, we had Jamie Lee Curtis. She posted a picture um, from the set of Halloween Kills this mm-hmm. week, the first photo officially. So I, I feel like they're doing a lot of little things just to kind of get people talking everything. I mean, and it's obviously Halloween season, so it makes sense. And this movie's only a year away. So I just I'm as you said, I'm just hoping, you know, it's it's a little bit of fan service, not like we are jamming as many references as we possibly can, and mm. this is the only reason you're really here to see the movie is all the references. Lindsay's but ba- Lindsay Wallace is back too. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, no, it it, it it's a lot. It's a lot. So we almost got like half of the original cast, but like everyone who's not dead mm. is back in this film at this point. So, and I, I felt like it was almost a stretch to have, you know, Lori, you know, come into contact with Michael again after all these years, especially if we're not going off of, you know, the sequels mm-hmm. where she's his, you know, sister. So the fact that we're going to have Michael going against all these other characters or, you know, coming maybe across these other characters just i don't know like are they having like is it a luncheon or a potluck or something that laurie's throwing like why so i fine it's like a celebration like i did it i got rid of fine and like i wasn't a huge fan of you know halloween 2018 it it was what it was so maybe that's why i'm kind of down on it Mm. but i don't know we'll see hopefully it all works out i'm still hoping you know death in five minutes for laurie I think she's going to be in the the next film too. Halloween yeah. ends. I think she's going to make it at least to Halloween ends. Maybe in the first five minutes of Halloween ends, but otherwise, I don't. I don't know, man. Or maybe the end of this one. Maybe Halloween Kills finally gets her, but I don't see her dying in the first five minutes. So, um, but maybe you're right, and I'd be okay <laughs> with that. You know, pass the torch, goddammit. Up next, keeping it up with horror, Sam Raimi confirms new Evil Dead movie finally being developed. Yes, and this was long rumored um, ever since Ash vs. the Evil Dead like ended. There were rumors. Uh, Bruce Campbell came out and said that he was retired from the character. So, sure. yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so, right away, once we heard the rumors of the movie, everyone was kind of wondering if they're going to continue on the story from the remake, mm-hmm. um, which would be interesting. Um, this article was pulled from Bloody Disgusting, and it's kind of all over the place. It seems like it's kind of just throwing all the rumors together. Um, but Sam Raimi did confirm at New York Comic Con that he is going to be bringing back The Evil Dead to film. So um, he doesn't feel like TV is the future of Evil Dead. It feels like he wants it, you know, back in the theaters where it belongs. So, and I didn't have a problem with Ash vs. the Evil Dead. I didn't, I only caught the first season. I've been mm-hmm. meaning to, you know, watch the next two. So, and I heard nothing but good things. But, you know, some, there's nothing like going to the theater, man, and seeing this shit. Exactly. So, um, were you a fan of the remake? Um, yeah, I was. You know, okay. I, I mean, it's definitely... Not the same whatsoever in like tone wise, but I mean generally, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm the director for that film has like continued to tease that he's still going to make a sequel, you know, for years. Oh, so. has he? Yes. Okay, because uh, this article kind of talks about it, and that's uh, I'm gonna mess up his first name, Fidi Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, he's moved on, kind of. Uh, but you know, who knows? Maybe he will be tempted to come back. Exactly. So. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I, you know, if he does it, I don't know if I want to see like another like reboot. 
Um, if they do that, I hope it's more in like tone of the originals. Um, well, I, I enjoyed mm. the remake, but I think it was just missing that charm of the originals. So, you know, I, I kind of want them to go back in that way. And maybe you do have Bruce Campbell show up and, you know, kind of pass the torch. Exactly. I mean, there was like, back then, there was tons of talks about it being like Ash versus Ash or something like that on screen. And, and being a little bit more campy as they went on, you know. Oh, really? You're talking about Ash versus the character Ash from the remake? Yes. Okay, I gotcha. I was like, well, they kind of did that out of the darkness, <laughs> but... Uh, but, yeah, no. I don't know, we'll see. Only time will tell, so I'm mm-hmm. sure this is years out, and we'll talk about it plenty <laughs> until then. Because <laughs> that's what us nerds do. Well, speaking of talking about something plenty, Star Wars is bringing back Wedge, it seems. I'm for that. That's cool. I mean, I don't know why he hasn't come back. Um, exactly. Sooner. I'm more upset that he hasn't been around. Well, apparently, <laughs> according to this article, well, I guess he has, was interviewed in the past saying that they did offer him a role in uh, Force Awakens and he turned it down. So maybe it was just like a brief cameo and he's, he didn't see the point in it. Maybe they found something else for him to do now. It would make sense if he's still alive, you know, in the, you know that universe that he would join up with the Resistance again. Um, so I'm, I think that'd be cool. You know, maybe he gets a bigger role. You know, maybe he becomes one of their leaders. I doubt it. But uh, this all came out because he's maybe featured on the cover of some book. In- yes. In Mexico or Spain? Like, I think they're, you know, they're starting to plan books for the future and everything. And it seems like they put out a cover for one of their next books. And and there's a figure that looks very much like Wedge. I don't know if it's exactly him. I'm looking at it right now. Yes. So, Uh, and a podcast named Rebel Force Radio uh, actually uh, claims to confirm this with the actor himself. So, um so, I mean, if that's true, that's awesome. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of leaks this year for Star Wars, though. More so than years past, I feel like. So it'll be interesting to see what's true and what's not. Do you think it's point. just Iger saying, clean it up, get rid of all of Lucas's characters? <laughs> no, well, you're talking about the leaks or you're talking about just like... Just like if he was in the film. It's like, it's like to They're just going to kill him off? Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Jesus, like it's just a bloodbath. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking like destroying like R2 and Chewbacca and mm. fucking no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna help them out at all. No, <laughs> no I, I would like to see Wedge, you know, in the cockpit one one more time, you know. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. So Alright, so moving on. We finally got the trailer for season four of Rick and Morty. Um, and they announced, you know, it's the first it's gonna be five episodes this season, which has gotten People a little riled up, a little yes, down. It feels like a very small episode count. There's rumors that it's just, you know, five episodes for now, and then maybe, you know, fall or, or spring of next year, they'll put out another five. But it should be either way um, between seasons. It's not going to be like a three-year gap anymore, especially now that they have the official deal with Adult Swim and everything going forward where they're like... I think it was like a 75 episode contract that they did so they've got a lot of work yes. to do <laughs> <laughs> well that's but, good news yeah i mean the trailer looked awesome the season's probably gonna be fun i, I have high hopes for it as usual it is my like literal favorite television show right now so not just animated like just tv yes. show in general mm. wow 
Oh, right. How long are the episodes usually? They're 30 minutes. They're, They're an average uh, okay. animated show. All right, man. Well, I still have not watched a single episode. And so. I keep telling you to pick it up, man. <laughs> and there are not that many episodes, right? No, it's only been three seasons. There are about like um, ten episodes a uh, season. So I have no excuse whatsoever. Exactly. Pick All it right. up, man. Right, pick it up. Go. Maybe before season four drops. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, you got till November 10th, Damon. Oh, wow. So it's right around the corner. Yes. All right. All right. Well, you know what time it is, Damon. I can't wait, Christian. Yes, it's Christian's Corner! So, officially, the PlayStation 5 has uh, a holiday 2020 announced date. Um, It'll be coming around the corner. They also announced with that, you know, I think we've talked on uh, Mike before about the specs, so it'll be faster Per every console that comes out, you know, faster, better, stronger. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. But what I thought was interesting is that they announced what the next controller will have, which will be haptic feedback rather than just your usual rumble pack. A rumble pack is just like these little things that spin around and make mm-hmm. you feel... Vibrate, like vibrate. yeah. This will like you'll feel across the controller. And I think that's amazing. Have you ever, like... No. Okay. Now, they have, like, haptic, like... Um, backpacks and stuff like that you know um for vr experiences and i think what are you feeling across the controller though? whatever they program really so it'll come in waves is that what you're saying it can yes okay um the other thing that was interesting is that there'll be resistance for the triggers so imagine like right now when you whenever you're playing a game um you just hold down the trigger that's it you know it's, it's it's just plastic going back and forth now a programmer can get in there and it can set the amount of resistance to be pushed against the trigger while you're pulling. So imagine like, oh, you're doing a bow and arrow. They can put in a certain amount of resistance to the string that mm-hmm. you're pulling and everything. So they make it more realistic. Exactly. And I feel like that's the type We're of... We're just tech- training killers now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the military like teamed up with Sony. And I was like, all right, we need you to do this. <laughs> well, I'm hoping this is type of technology that's going to be across the board. You know, I'm hoping that Project Scarlet, that that's um, the next Xbox like codename, will have the same type of technology built in. I'm hoping for that. Okay. That's where I want. That's what I want to see for like VR should have this type of technology. That's what I want to see like haptic gloves and shit like that. Where yeah. You're starting to feel things. Should be an all-encompassing like sensory experience. Exactly. So that's what the movies tell me at least. So. <laughs> Uh, so it should be interesting uh, where that's all going. Next up, I have the Avengers game trailer dropped for Miss Marvel. Um, now she was like rumored that you definitely saw her um, in trailers before, but now you actually officially got to see her as a main playable character. And it seems like her character will be weaved throughout the entire story and will be more of a main part of it. You know, uh, it definitely seemed like what we got with those first trailers was kind of like the Terrigen Mist incident, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of starts the Inhumans and everything. It's like the family. first like exactly. chapter of the story, really, um, that had everyone outraged. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did watch the trailer, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, I enjoyed it. Um, it felt like an authentic portrayal of uh, Kamala Khan. I was like, okay, this is everything that I'd want, you know, for the character, exactly. you know, on a TV show or, you know, in a movie. Like, it it felt like the character from the books. So I was like, this is actually well done. 
I don't know about Bruce Banner, and I definitely don't know about Tony Stark <laughs> in that trailer. Um, Bruce was okay. I think Bruce's character like won me over eventually, but Tony just felt way off mm. to me. But um, overall, he I seems mean, like like an annoying college kid. Yeah, like he time. feels a little too young, mm-hmm. um, and he just doesn't feel like Tony Stark. So. Um, and not just because he's not doing like a bad impression of Robert Downey Jr., just because, you know, he doesn't feel like that character, the, mm-hmm. the essence of the character just isn't there. So um, that's really unfortunate. But may, uh, do, do you think maybe like Miss Marvel is like one of the main characters like throughout the entire game? Like, is she going to be like a focal point of the entire yeah, like, game? Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems to be so far. Okay. Okay, that, that's cool. I could, I could mm-hmm. be on board with that. So I mean, they they definitely made sure to let you know, like each character is going to have like its own playable sections and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like she, basically, what they've shown in that trailer is that she's gonna wait because what we've seen before is like snippets and pieces. Now with her there, it's like, oh, she's in that part of the trailer. She's in this part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's definitely she seems like more of a weave, and you'll definitely get to play as her more often than we think. You know, okay. not just like you know a side character that you get every once in a while. Like the Spider-Man game had you play three missions of as Mary Jane and like two missions as Miles, and it's just like doing random spy activities. Okay, yeah. Where you don't think it really like further the actual story. It furthers the story, but they're very annoying. Like okay. you're used to swinging around and beating people up. And now, all of a sudden, if someone looks at you, you're dead. <laughs> you know? So it's just kind of, like, contrived. Exactly. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully it's, mm. you know, good news for, you know, you know possible fans exactly. of this game. Uh, this made me 100% <laughs> more interested in the game. Okay. I'll tell you that. Because everything else so far had just been kind of like, this seems a little mediocre. You know, I, I haven't seen anything to really blow my mind just yet other than Kamala. Yeah, well... I- I kind of liked the concept, you know, behind the story. Mm-hmm. It just was just the visuals. Just, exactly. You know, that that's where it was just like, not the graphics, but just like the looks of the characters felt really off. You know, and like, I'm not saying anything that anyone else hasn't been saying. It looked like they're stunt doubles or something. Like, it was weird. So just some weird choices on yes. their, you know, part. And I, maybe weird they were just scared of getting, like, sued or <laughs> I don't know. They tried to stay as far away from, like, you know, the actual, like, cinematic likenesses or something. It just, it's bizarre. Some bizarre choices. So, but all right. So anything else for Christian's Corner? Well, no, that's going to do it for my corner this week. Christian, we finally saw the film that everyone's talking about. The Joker. World where everyone thinks they could do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was gonna be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. It's so awful, isn't it? For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. Think this is funny? Is this a joke to you?
Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? And now, our feature presentation. In Gotham City, a mentally troubled comedian, Arthur Fleck, is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the Joker. Yes. So, Damon, I wouldn't say this is necessarily a masterpiece. But I wouldn't say it's bad in any by any means. You know, I really enjoyed this film going in and going out. You know, it was, it was really a fun time throughout the entire film, as disturbing as that sounds. It was fun and it was also but it was a good time to sit there and watch as this character, you know, fell apart. Uh, even though he was like already in a bad stage, it felt like we were like really meeting him at his wit's end of all of it. And I, I like that element to the story. Um, Film-wise, I think, you know, there's so much that it just feels like, man, this looks like a love letter to, you know, Martin Scorsese's work. But I, I, I think I would have liked, you know, a little bit more to it than just that. You know, there's... it. I think with me and a lot of the people that saw it with me all agree it's very predictable where everything is heading throughout the entire film kind of like the different actions he's going to take every kind of like i could predict each moment that was coming and that was i think one of the main things that was keeping me you know out and very more vigilant of the film like i i'm saying this in a way where it's like i was watching it more as a filmmaker rather than a person in the audience just enjoying a film yeah so i mean that's that's kind of like my biggest gripes of the film otherwise i really enjoyed it you know um the score seems off at times but at the same time i feel like Maybe the awkwardness of the score is to go along with the awkwardness of the character and everything that's going on. How much of this film is like on purpose and how much of this film is like, you know, them just making either an excuse or just doing whatever they want, you know, uh, because like his character is, you know, in this world of delusion and everything. Uh, that's, uh, hopefully that's not giving away too much of what's going on. But overall, you know, I think it is a great film. I just don't, I don't see it as the masterpiece as everyone is claiming it to be so far. And I, I'm interested to what you think the film is. So I, for me, the movie it's just dark, mm -hmm. disturbing, and so depressing. Like, um, I thought it was like just this mesmerizing like commentary on like classism. And, like, just the stigma of, like, mental illness in society, you know? Um, even though it takes place, like, in the 80s, I feel like it was mm. even, like, a commentary, like, on social media in a roundabout way. Um, you know, and, like, spoilers, um, if you haven't seen the film yet, it's something that we're not going to really go into deep spoilers. Because I feel like it's something that you need to experience for yourself. Mm -hmm. So, and maybe one day we'll do, like, a spoiler episode, you know, for, like, just review-wise. But, um... You know, there, there's a scene where basically a clip of his act goes like kind of viral, um, you know, which is weird to say because mm -hmm. it takes place in the 80s. Um, and it, I feel like that whole thing was kind of like just a like nod at like what social media does nowadays and everything like that, which I found really interesting. 
Um, but yeah, this is definitely a character piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like uh, Joaquin Phoenix is just an absolute like tour de force in this film. I mean, he's on screen for like more than like 90% of the film, like every mm-hmm. single scene. But I felt like his performance is like completely like, like hypnotic. Like you, you really get kind of lost in the movie. You know, at least I did. Um, that at times where like I, I came back and I watched an interview with him like the next day and it's like I almost forgot who he was like he was an actor you know <laughs> so where it's like almost like jarring to like say oh you're not you know Arthur Fleck you're Joaquin Phoenix you know but I mean the performance is that good um, so I thought Todd Phillips as a filmmaker made some really like bold choices um, I love that like the reality in this film is kind of almost ambiguous you know um, it really like kept you guessing and I like the fact that I can go back in this film and kind of like dissect it now like you know or just have great conversations with people like well do you think this was real like do you think mm-hmm. this was happening you know um, there was a scene here or there where I felt like it was a little predictable where I, I, I could kind of see where they were going but overall there's a lot in this movie where I'm like you know after the fact like, I'm kind of second-guessing, which I love about movies, you know? The last time I had an experience like this was really, like, Donnie Darko, I think, where I had to watch it, like, multiple times and be like, okay, what the fuck is happening in this movie? <laughs> um, you know? So it just keeps you guessing. And that's, what like, good cinema for me, That that's what it does, you know? It's a conversation starter, you know? And it's a movie that you can watch multiple times and really get lost in. So, um... I liked the score. I thought it was really subtle, but, like, well done overall. Um, it never, like, really, like, clued the audience in what was going to happen, like, mm-hmm. next. Um, so it wasn't, like, too over the top. I felt like it did enhance the scenes. I do feel like it was kind of, like, off-kilter because it was focused on the character. Like, it's, you know, just like the characters are off-kilter. So I thought that was a, a choice. Um, but... Um, the film, you know, just cinematography, it's, it's, it's a beautiful film. Just, it's really gritty and like gross, but beautiful all <laughs> at once. Like you can almost like really like smell and taste Gotham, which is you know, disgusting <laughs> to say, but, um, Gotham feels like a real place for once. Mm. So it's not this weird, like stylized version that we got with like Tim Burton and stuff, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But it feels like a real place, um, you know, but you don't want to hang out there for long. Okay. So um, it feels like a powder cake at the same time. So, um, you know, for all the incredible like controversy surrounding the film, um, when it comes to the violence in the film, honestly, I didn't feel like it was anything that we haven't seen before. So um, I never once felt like it was like glamorizing the violence or condoning it. Um, if anything, I thought it was a lot more responsible in the portrayal of the Joker than we've seen in the past. Um, you know, just by almost like using him as like a mirror, like held up to society and showing like how people, you know, with like mental health issues are like treated, you know, by the system and by, you know, people around them and everything um, and how they're just kind of forgotten and just kind of ridiculed. Mm. Um you know, my one major issue with the film overall was, you know, kind of what you kind of touched upon was, you know, it might be a little heavy handed with like, you know, the nods to like Martin Scorsese and everything like that in his films. Um, but overall, I feel like it's OK. Like I, we get that almost with like every Quentin Tarantino film, 
you know? Yes. So, and, you know, I, it didn't feel like it was, like, stealing from the film. I felt like it was just very much, like, in that kind of tone, you know? So, um, but there's a lot of cool, like, visual, like, cues and everything like that that it definitely took from, you know, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, which I really dug. Um, and there's some, you know, people are saying, like, oh, there aren't, like, tons of, like, it, it's not really based on any of the comic books. But there are some fun nods to the comics in there, too. I feel like the end scene, and maybe people have talked about it, I've just missed it, is a total, like, riff off, like, you know, a, a scene in The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, I do feel like that's in there for, like, comic book fans and everything. But I can, you know, I understand why, like, some comic book fans would be turned off by this movie because it is very different than what we've seen, you know, for the Joker in the past. But for me, this is like an Elseworlds tale. And it's just a different version of the character. Like, I don't want to see this version of the character continued on, you know, in a Batman film. I would like to see this kind of as like a standalone thing. And I feel like that's what they're going to do with it. But I'm glad this film exists. You know, um, I like to think that this character is more uh, has a more of a mad dog approach than the usual maniacal uh, Joker that we got, especially like with Heath Ledger. He has a very, you know, he has a plan for everything. He's got something behind everything. Whereas this one, you know, you're watching him fall into madness and kind of watching him come up with the ideas and thoughts as he's going on. There is there is that element where he's I love his um, joke book and how like fucked up the the joke yes. book is in general I, I don't feel like that's too much of a, a spoiler it's just uh, like you know he's got these messed up images along with his jokes and everything um i love the uh the metaphors as well around you know society not paying attention to him mm-hmm. when he's telling them exactly how he feels especially the scenes with the social exactly worker. i thought the scenes with the sh- social worker were really strong you yes. know they're very brief but i felt like you know, they they carried a lot of weight. So I, I definitely agree with that. So, so yeah, um, I could I could see why comic book fans might not be too huge. But at the same time I feel like if you're a Joker fan, you like you love every interpretation almost of the Joker. And Maybe not Jared Leto. But you enjoy yeah. <laughs> every interpretation of this character because he has so many he could be anything. Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's what's great about the character. Mm-hmm. And we've seen so many different versions of the character in the comics themselves. You know, it, it, to the point of right now, they're gonna start the whole like three Joker like arc that they've been talking about forever. They brought that up um, fucking years ago. But there's a book <laughs> that's <laughs> I know. So um, nuts. but yeah, no, I'm not I'm not a fan of the concept. <laughs> um we'll see where it goes. Maybe it'll be brilliant. I don't know, but I doubt it. Um but yeah, no, I I I feel like there's so... But the, the whole basis of that idea mm. is the fact that we've seen so many different versions of the Joker. So I don't know why people wouldn't accept this version. Yes. You know, in this world. So, um, how did you feel about how they kind of played with, like, the Wayne mythos? Um, you know, I enjoy... Like, I could still see these versions of the Wayne still being interpreted... As they are in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, I could totally see, like, oh, maybe they're a little bit more, like, um, you know, out of touch with um, society and the norm. Because, you know, they they are billionaires. They are, you know, nah. they're like, this is their idea of how it will help the city, you know, become a better place. Whereas maybe the rest of society is just saying, you know, you're not f- helping us in the way that we want. 
you know, I could see, you know, young Bruce looking up to them like, hey, man, yeah, they had this perfect plan and the city just turned against them. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you know, he was a child. He didn't, you know, understand the gravity of their decisions that they were making at the time. Didn't understand, like, you know, the difference between his privilege and, you know, their, them not having it. The city is, like, falling apart around them at all times. It wasn't like, anything that was, like, too, like, blasphemous. Exactly. You know, and I... I did like the way they kind of like kept you guessing too with like that mm-hmm. storyline and how like the Waynes intersected, you know, with Arthur and his family. So I thought that was something, and it was something that I didn't get from the trailers. I didn't see it coming. So, because the trailers did give you a lot, and I felt like, okay, I kind of have an idea where this movie is going. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the bag for it, but I felt like I could kind of map this movie out without seeing it. But then when they threw that out there, I was like, holy shit, but I loved how they fucked with you with it, you know, where like, okay, what's real, what's not real, what's happening here? Not to give anything away, but um, I, I dug that part of it, so. But yeah, when it came to certain elements, without saying what it is, mm. I, I was like, man, this this might be a little bit too much, mm-hmm. you know, when they were playing around um, with certain characters' uh, backstory and everything. See, I wasn't... You know, for me, the backstory is the backstory. Like, I, I didn't feel like the movie teetered on it because it's not, like, something like, oh, we're going to base a whole franchise mm-hmm. around this thing, you know? So I was all right with it. It didn't bother me because I, I could accept this as, like, a standalone, you yes. know, movie. So when I liked that, it kept it guessing. Mm-hmm. I really did. <clears throat> Would you be upset if there was a sequel to this? Um, I think I trust Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix um, enough at this point mm-hmm. where if they were going to be doing a sequel, it would be for the art's sake and not just a cash grab. So I wouldn't be upset. I would just be curious to see where they were taking it. Exactly. I'm, I'm very curious to the concept of a more mature version of this Joker. Like, mature as in, like, where does this character go? Any of this type of story could go in a sequel. You know, um, the society as a whole is different with a Joker in it in general. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of interesting to see what, you know, Joker 10 years from now looks like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, I just don't... It sounds like Joaquin Phoenix is like, no, I need to take a break. You know, like most mm. actors who tackle this character... It feels like he just got too engrossed with him and, you know, <laughs> needs to step away. But who's to say in a couple years that he won't, you know, exactly. be back on board if he um, gets a good script. I mean, he he put himself through so much to get to that weight. What too. about the uh, choice of the laugh? Um, I didn't mind that. I loved it. it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, it was something that was completely uncontrollable and it really played into his origin... Um, where it was literally like causing him like pain and discomfort and everything. And it was like one of the reasons why people were reacting the way they were towards him. I thought that was, you know, a brilliant choice. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's something I didn't see coming at all. Um, you know, it, it is an unnerving laugh, you know, but you could see where if it was something like, you know, someone was afflicted with, you know, why it would cause some, someone so much pain, but like to be around it where it would be like very unsettling at times. So I thought it was it was a really great choice, um, you know, and something that I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. at all. I think it becomes a really cool element of his transformation as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We both talked and we won't give the scene away completely. But, you know, there's the scene that, you know, it's 
on the posters and it's kind of in the trailer with him kind of dancing and there's Mm -hmm. a song choice (laughs) that they made and we are both kind of turned off by the song (laughs) um we live in chicago so the song i think it's in like a thousand articles at this point it's uh I can't think of the actual name of the song right now, but it's a Gary Glitter song. Yes, uh, pretty much the Bulls theme song. Yes, yes. Uh, being from Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> it felt a little weird to hear that song in any other, like, you know, concepts, you know, that wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. around, centered around the Bulls. So I think that kind of threw me for a loop. Well, and then so, when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, like, all the other music that they've played so far, I'm like, I'm starting to piece, like, Maybe this song would have been better here. Maybe this song would have been better here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be lots of, like, YouTube videos <laughs> oh, yeah, scoring absolutely. it if they're not already, like, to different songs. So, I mean, it, it, I honestly think it's just because, mm-hmm. you know, from where, where we're from, you know, that song is just so, like, relatable to, you know, that team that it's just hard for me. Like, it, it took me out of the scene, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, you know, it was still a great scene at the same time. I just wish it was scored to a different song. And while I do wish I had gotten more um, entranced with the film uh, while I was watching, I did like the concept of his dancing being like a um, a coping mechanism for anything that he was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great throughout it. I thought that was brilliant as yes. well. Yes, and there's like a pivotal scene, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the middle of the movie where, you know, he's alone after a major, you know, scene and he, you know, goes into this whole almost like routine and everything, which is just, you know, you kind of like, you get like lost in that scene. Mm-hmm. At least I did. I got completely lost in that scene. Like, holy shit, what are we watching? So you could tell that Joaquin Phoenix just really like threw yes. himself into that role and everything. Because at first it almost feels like 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 this insane version of like Tai Chi, you know, where it's like calming him and everything and like centering his chi. But then it's like, okay, no, this isn't Tai Chi. <laughs> um, you know, but just some really like brave choices. Yes. All right. Well, Damon, if you were to give this film a grade, what do you think you would give it? I may give it an A. So, um, you know, if we're doing we're doing letter grades now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it an A. So not an A plus, an A. I thought it was just, you know, one of the better movies I saw this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, I'm a huge Joker fan. So, <laughs> um, to say the least. So, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed you know this version of the character. And I really hope that people don't really get stuck in all the controversy and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and obviously they're not because you know, it's making all the money right now. But, you know, definitely check out this film before you read any articles or, you know, it might be too late at this point. But, you know, don't believe all the hype surrounding the controversy. Just go see it yourself, exactly. you know, and judge on your own. Um, I think I'm going to give it an A minus just for, you know, I enjoyed everything that the characters did. I love the cinematography, but just a part of me just couldn't look at it as just an audience member when I was watching it. Um, I think I feel like it won't be my number one pick when we get to the end, but mm-hmm. I don't know yet because I mean this was one of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah, I have to at least say that. All right, Christian. Well, let's move on to something that's definitely not going to get an A in our grade book. <laughs> let's talk some wrestling. Yes. 
Seth Rollins now back into the ring. I'm just said, wait, wait, wait. Do not use that, okay? Think about what you're doing. And you're gonna you're gonna turn this down. You're gonna turn this down. Do not do this, man. Think about what you're doing. Just tell who you are. Did you really do want to go where you're about to go. You do not want to do that to yourself by doing that to the fiend. No, 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 don't do it! Damon hates wrestling! Ding, ding! So, Christian, what the fuck was that? I don't know. <laughs> How in hell's name <laughs> is there a hell in the cell that ends in a DQ? And I know, like, they've since, like, kind of backtracked and said, no, the ref just called the match. It's a fucking DQ. Yes. You know, and I had a bad feeling. I, I think on Twitter, like, WWE did, like, a poll. Mm hmm you know, a couple days beforehand, like, how do you think the Hell in Cell match is going to end? And, like, one of the choices was by DQ. Now, everyone immediately responded and jumped all over it, and there was tons of negative comments. So I thought maybe, okay, well, maybe they're just, you know, either it's an intern's mistake or they're testing the waters, but, you know, with the feedback that they got, you know, they should have definitely pumped the brakes at that point. Um... But no, they didn't. It ended in a DQ. In a ridiculous fashion mm. on top of it. Um, we're not going to even bother reviewing the whole fucking pay-per-view. Because no. we're that frustrated right now. And, you know, this is kind of the month where traditionally, you know, well, at least with the last year, where we don't really talk WWE because, you know, the Saudi, like, pay-per-view is coming up. And, you know, we took the, the moral stance, you know, you know, not patting ourselves on the back or anything like that. If other podcasts chooses to cover them, great. You know, fine. I get it. Um, but, like, for us, it's not worth it. We've got plenty of other fucking things mm. to talk about. Trust me. So we, we're choosing not to cover WWE. And it, it feels like we picked the perfect time. Because what the fuck <laughs> was that? <laughs> um, I mean, last week in general just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And then we ended it with... Yes, yes. And we'll talk about, you know, Friday Night mm -hmm. Smackdown and everything. Um, but yeah, Hell in the Cell overall, I mean, there's not much to really talk about because they didn't really put thought into the pay-per-view. They didn't bother booking any mm -hmm. matches until the very last minute. I think we had three. You know, we had uh, Roman and Daniel Bryan versus Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Mm -hmm. We had Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch in the Hell in the Cell, which was actually a good match. Yes. It was what a Hell in the Cell match is supposed to be. Um, and then we had this abomination of a match. Um, a match that I was actually kind of looking forward to just to see what they were going to do. You know, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. Um, I think both of us right away, I, we talked about in the past, where we were like, 
what it, this just feels way too fast. This feels too much too fast with the Bray Wyatt character um, to just put him in this like title, you know, situation. Um, there was no buildup whatsoever for it, no storyline. They just kind of like leaked it, it felt like, on social media and they just kind of announced it on the show. Um, you know, too much too soon because it just felt like he wasn't ready to actually have the title. You know, there was no storyline there, mm-hmm. no build for it. Um, and it, it just felt like they weren't going to give it to him at that point, but you wanted him to be protected as a character still. So them seeing that dilemma decided to book this finish um, where we saw Seth Rollins hit like 11, literally 11 like curb stops, a fucking pedigree. He took out a toolbox at one point and hit him with that. There was a chair spot, right? Yeah, he Um, did a direct chair shot to the face. Yes, and Bray just kept on kicking out at one. Mm. So then finally, he goes underneath the fucking ring, grabs Triple H's magical fucking sledgehammer, um, and is stopped by the Roth at that point. And, you know, this isn't you, Seth. What are you doing? Like, has this, like, you know, come to Jesus moment with the referee. Um, and then, even though, and I want to point this out, even though that Bray Wyatt took out a much bigger fucking hammer, like, 20 yeah. minutes prior. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up before I did. Because I, I was going to say, he brought out a fucking huge yes. mallet yes. to to try to actually spear him through (laughs) in the corner of the cage. He's literally trying to kill the man. Oh, my God. And there's no stoppage, no care. But, man, do do we stop the... We draw the line at Seth Rollins being... Anywhere near a bad person for using yeah. a sledgehammer. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, so Bray was still kicking out. Yeah. So there was not like any. It just. That, that, uh, that's also true. Yeah. He, the ref saw him take all this damage. And he kept was on perfectly kicking fine. out. Yes. They're totally playing like the supernatural angle with the character and everything. The There's problem no is, the yeah. problem is, and this is something that was brought. I don't know who brought it up. But the heat, like, never goes on to the referee in these situations. Mm-hmm. Even though they kind of paint the referee as the bad guy. I think it was actually Bully Ray. Um, the heat never goes on to the ref. It always ends up going on to, you know, the wrestler who has the stoppage cause. Like, he causes the stoppage. So, it does no favors. And Seth is already struggling. You know, throughout this whole program and just since his title reign really started mm-hmm. as a baby face. Um, so to put this on him now, I mean, the crowd right away, and I think all the fans in the arena kind of saw, you know, where this was going. Mm-hmm. Like they were laying the tracks like, oh, shit. Okay, after that fifth curb stop. Yeah, just, they're like, they ooh, just started, started coming ooh, in. And they're like, oh, shit. Um, he's going to fucking win the match. Uh, you know, and I don't even know if it what would have been like, man, would have been worse for him to like just pin him? You know, I mean, it, think about a it. clean, like, a would clean be, loss would, would have been still would have gotten the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And they try to save it, like save it at the end with Bray, like, you know, coming back from the dead. But it was too He late. sold it for maybe like what, like. Like a minute, 
And then he comes back, hits the mandible claw, and then you've got the blood just fucking squirting out of Seth's mouth. Which was a cool visual and everything like that, but the damage was done at that mm-hmm. point. You know, to the point where they didn't even fucking put them on, you know, the show, on Raw the next night. Um, you know, they and even when they did the highlights for the fucking pay-per-view, like, they they were in there for maybe a couple seconds. They definitely did not fucking focus. They did not want to focus on that match. Um, I just, man, I, they're just, they always get in their own way. Mm-hmm. Like, this is probably one of the worst, like, botch finishes, finishes for me, like, since the whole, like, Royal Rumble, like, Daniel Bryan, like, fiasco, when they just didn't put Daniel Bryan into the Royal Rumble and didn't think for some reason the fans would fucking react to it. Um, you know, just, and I feel like this is even more unforgivable because I don't know how you save the Bray Wyatt, like, character from here. Like, where do you put him at this point? Do you just keep them separated? You know, and I heard there's rumors... Yeah, I mean, well, we've got the drafts coming up, you know, today, if you're listening to this episode, um, we're recording this on Thursday, but, you know, you've got the draft, you know, here, so, like, maybe they just kind of wash their hands of it and just separate them and let it be at this point, you know, and get Bray out of the title picture, because it just, we knew they weren't ready to take the belt off Seth, and, he, you know, it just doesn't make any sense for the character right now, unless they're going to go, you know... All on board, you know, you know, all the cards on the table. I mean, it just really doesn't, you know, don't tease it because it's too early for him to lose. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking, but it definitely, like, I didn't feel bad about not watching Raw <laughs> on Monday. Well, so. it doesn't really sound like much was going no, on. No, no, anyway. it sounds like Raw is officially the B show. Mm-hmm. You know, they're booking full steam ahead towards the Saudi show and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, that being said, what did you think of Friday Night SmackDown, the big debut on Fox? You know, I love the visuals. Um, I, I did f- like the quality of like you know the actual camera work and exactly. everything. Uh, but overall, the show was a little like lackluster. You know, you didn't have any of the big stars that they promised, really. Yeah, what the fuck was that? They <laughs> advertised like Undertaker, mm-hmm. Stone, Stone Cold, Cold Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Sting was apparently in the back just waiting. What do you think they just ran over or something? Or like McMahon just had one of his fits and just threw out the script? I don't know. It just made no sense because you like, I mean, especially Stone Cold. So like, you know, people bought tickets like in like wanting to see Stone Cold. I think he like showed up on some like video package or something like that before the show started. But I mean, you don't announce someone unless it's like a live appearance. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's insane. They had Hogan and Flair just like in the crowd, you know, um, you know, which is pretty weak if they're considering that an appearance. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um... You know, it was more of a showcase piece, you know, for the new show and everything, which I kind of expected to be. But that being said, I mean, besides, you know, what they did to Kofi, the travesty (laughs) of what they did to Kofi, not much happened on that show Mm -hmm. whatsoever. It felt like they were just trying to reestablish, these are our top guys, these are the people we want you to pay attention. Because Charlotte had the biggest spots during the the um, tag match. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Roman Reigns having a great moment um, against... I, I believe he had a match with uh, Eric Rowan on the show. 
Yes, he did. Uh, and then we had um, Braun Strowman just running his train around the ring, I'm taking out everyone. That, by the way, I, <laughs> I'm like he's going to that way too many times every match. It just felt like all of Vince's favorites were being pretty much put on screen put to look as good as they possibly can. Which is fine, but they didn't really further any no. storylines except for the fucking uh, Kane Vasquez. Vasquez? Yeah, uh, Velasquez. I'm obviously not a UFC guy. <laughs> you know, storyline, which is something that we talked about last week. But it came rumored. at the sacrifice of Kofi Kingston. Yes, and now I will say this. like I have not been a huge fan of what they've done, like how they've mm-hmm. booked his title run. I would have been okay with Kofi losing the belt, especially to Randy Orton, um, because I feel like Kofi would have benefited from chasing after the belt for a while. That being said, we've watched, you know, this character for the last six months, you know, and have been invested as fans, you know, for the last six months. You know, he had one of the best WrestleMania matches and moments in like recent history. Um, Yeah. And for them to just kind of throw that all out the window in seven seconds, mm-hmm. just to fucking, you know, you establish this storyline for some match in fucking Saudi Arabia between, you know, Kane and fucking Brock. Give me a break. First of all, that match doesn't need the title. No. It doesn't. I, I understand that part of the reason why Brock has the title is probably because, you know, Fox wants him on the show. He's an established, you know, what they consider a real athlete. Um, so I, I'm sure that's part of it. But Kofi deserved better than that. You know, you could have at least given him a match. Mm-hmm. I think I'd been able to swallow it if it was a match like along the lines of like, you know, a match we got with like Brock and AJ or Brock and Finn. You know, give me something at least like, like give him some offense, something. But to have him just like run at Brock right into an F5 like that. Even if it was just um, Kofi constantly just getting beaten down. Show that he has some type of perseverance in this. Yes, exactly. Like, don't make him look like a fucking chump. Mm. You know, make us look like chumps as fans for believing in the guy. And then just have him get beat so sadly. Because you know they're not going to fucking go back to it. I don't trust them to go back to it and give him another shot. Mm -hmm. You know, and like... Fucking Kane, like who the hell's Kane to come out and get a fucking title shot? You know the, the apparently Godfather of Dominic. Oh, but they didn't my really explain God. that at the time, really, until no. like later on. But that was the most awkward segment of a of a fight ever. Mm. He shows up, he gets in the ring. Brock is petrified. Yes, walks out, continues to just go up and down the ramp. Over and over again, like they edited it in the videos. Yes, but of he course. he bounces back and forth. Like, am I going to get in the ring or not? And if I don't know if he just wanted to leave at that point, and they just kept I telling just, him to go back. I'm but. sure. I'm sure. It, I mean, it was awkward. I'm. I don't think. I think they're overestimating the crossover appeal between UFC and WWE. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think there are many like diehard WWE fans who are going to like truly understand who this guy is and feel like he should be in the league of Lesnar, you know, storyline wise. Now, if you're, you know, a big UFC fan, fine, you know, and I know there is some crossover there, but like, 
I mean, you're just throwing him right into the fucking title picture. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that there is the whole press conference or, like happening probably as we speak right now, if you're listening to this. Um, but with, you know, him and then uh, Tyson Fury. Yes. Right? Which I, once again, like, I don't give a shit about fucking Tyson Fury. You know, I'm not like, does anyone watch boxing anymore? <laughs> I just don't, like, really. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it just... And now we're going to have two, like, you know, main event matches, you know, and, like, probably the next month of booking focused around this. Mm. So we've picked the perfect time not to talk about wrestling, goddammit. Or, I, I shouldn't say that. Not to talk, talk about, about WWE. Because we are going to go ahead, we are going to still talk about AEW. And you know what? We're going to make an exception. We're going to still talk about NXT. So, um, I feel like they're separated enough. They're not mm. even involved in the draft. I know we were speculating that they might actually be part of the draft. They are not going to be part of the draft whatsoever. Um, I still think the Street Profits are moving up. but I yeah, I think maybe they get cherry-picked, but mm. I don't think anyone's going to be going down. They're not going to be making draft oh, picks okay. on the show, at yeah. least. So, um, But, yeah, no. So, we will still talk the Wednesday Night Wars, quote-unquote, um, but as far as Raw and SmackDown, we will be tapping out for the month. Um, we'll probably start covering the shows again around Survivor Series. And that's, Maybe. That's how quick it took. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We did, in all fairness, we did the same thing last year. Um, so, but it is like almost perfect timing with everything that happens, mm-hmm. you know? If any major stories break or anything, we'll talk about those. But as far as, like, you know, running down the shows and everything like that, it's it's just not happening. So I'm not going to promote their fucking, you know, <laughs> Saudi blood money. You know, fuck them. <sighs> <laughs> Unless they want to send some of it this way. I don't know. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> but no, no, fuck that. You know, I mean, and they can keep their shitty fucking storylines, too, mm-hmm. for all that. Uh, but yeah, no. So let's go ahead and let's talk some Wednesday night wrestling. Yes, uh, we're going to start off with a little NXT. You know, um, this is their second week into the war, really. Mm-hmm. Um, their fourth, this is their fourth yes, show, technically, on, Wednesday, on USA. Live on Wednesday. Um, you know, it wasn't like it was, a, it wasn't a bad show whatsoever, mm-hmm. but it definitely slowed, like the pace slowed down considerably. Mm-hmm. And it felt very much like something I would have gotten out of NXT maybe a year ago. Like, Are you saying comparably like to last week? Yes. Okay. okay. You know, it definitely felt like they were more like, okay, let's try to establish our characters and try to build towards a story. But I didn't see too many lead-ins, you know? Yeah, and th- I'm fine with them like slowing down. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, it really felt like last week's show was booked towards like the ratings and like completely like reacting to what AEW is doing i feel like that's a huge mistake so i'm glad that it seems like maybe they got away from that and just like worry about your own fucking product because like i said with last week's show you know they basically started with the main events you know and i felt like the show unfortunately ended flat because Mm. you know the way they booked it i enjoyed the street profits match but it didn't belong in the main event Mm -hmm. last week so the main event was definitely, you know, Riddle versus Cole, you know, and that was a fantastic match. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, you know, it's unfortunate. So like I only caught like, you know, sections of the mm-hmm. show, unfortunately. So life happens. Um, overall, like, I mean, I know we got like Walter and uh, Kushida. Like, mm-hmm. how was that match? 
That match was really well done, and I really was enjoying it throughout. I think this is the most I can say I was rooting for Kushida uh, in my entire life. <laughs> I don't know why you have the thing against him. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. Um, he did he did a really spectacular match with um, Walter, and it, it really they they played well with the David and Goliath storyline. And just like two completely contrasting like, yes. styles. So I But I mean thinking... they they really put over Kushida in this match. Good. Like his abilities and everything. And I, and I thought that was impressive. Okay. How old is Kushida? Do we know? I'm not sure. He's he's got to be like late 20s if anything. Really? You think, you he's, think he's, he's I that feel young? Like he's young? I feel like he's in his mid thirties. Mid thirties? Yes, I feel like he's more. I could, I could be very wrong. Because he's walking out of New <laughs> Japan and they're treating him like a True. legend. So I feel like he's his mid. We'll have to look it up, but we're not doing it now because it's one o'clock in the morning. Um. So, but overall, it was everything you kind of expected from the match. Yes. Okay. Um. I will say if they are going to put the cruiserweights on NXT, they need to establish them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, make me care more about Drew Gulak. And everything and all the other crews. Because I'm afraid, like, you know, man, like, it must suck to be a person from 205 Live and have your show pretty much wiped away. Because I was actually supposed to be on Friday, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and they just decided, they decided not to even mm-hmm. have the show. Like, and people, like, bought, like, once again, I doubt anyone bought that ticket. Like, oh, and I got to see 205 Live. But it was just announced. Like, yes. it happens, it's like, oh, we're not going to do 205 Live afterwards. You know, sorry, guys. So go home. yeah, go home. <laughs> like literally, the lights went on and that was it, and people were confused. Mm. So I mean, it's crazy. But they're back to one segment on like a show, and I mean, it's it'll be good. You know, it's going to be good exposure on NXT and everything. I feel like NXT is a perfect home for them. But like, I don't want that two hundred five live stench getting yeah. over NXT. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be the way Raw had handled it, where it's it's one segment. And we're not blending them into anything else. At least they're not changing the color of the robes yes. and the lighting in the building. I want cruiserweights to be able to play around with any character. Exactly. Any, all over the place. Make them part of the brand. Exactly. You know, you know. when I said stench, I just don't want... Exa- like, them represented the way they were on Raw, where they're kind of lesser than. And you know what? Take the handcuffs off. Let them wrestle their fucking style. You know, they're not just like, you know, lighter versions of, mm-hmm. you know, your regular superstars. Let them fucking fly, goddammit. Because they are all kind of working this toned down, like, safe WWE style. Um, which, I, you know, it's something that we did not... Like, literally after the Cruiserweight Classic, I was so excited for, like, you know, this new Cruiserweight show. And then, like, quickly, you know, all that was just <laughs> squashed by what I got. Because I was uh, like, what the fuck happened? Where are these fucking fantastic, like, five-star matches mm-hmm. I was seeing? No, they, they all just they went to They set it up like it was main event. Yeah. Like, it was... Pretty much. You know, pretty much. Um, you know, they weren't allowed to overshadow, you know, the main roster wrestlers. Especially when they, like, were debuted on Raw, you know. And mm-hmm. they were, like, out there... You know, for months, they. I think I really feel like they were booked those matches not to like really overshadow anyone, which is like that's the whole gimmick. You can't, you know, like then they're just lighter versions of the superstars. There's no fucking point. Um, So, and like I would even argue that some of them aren't lighter versions. They're the same weight and size (laughs) as like you know your Daniel Bryan's and your Finn Balor. So what the fuck are we doing, people? Um, Who knows? But anyway, enough about 205 Live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one more segment that I want to talk about, which is um, 
Velveteen Dream and Tommaso coming out to kind of in, you know get into battles with the Undisputed Era. It's kind of given me a theory. Okay. You know, we've been talking about who will be the War Games opponents, and I could easily see it being Undisputed Era versus Finn, Tommaso, um, Johnny, and uh, Velveteen. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Velveteen and Tommaso both want titles. Well, all of them want titles off of these guys. Yeah. So do you think they put all the titles up in the match? I want to say that they would... But I don't think Tommaso you and Johnny want to be tag teams. What are you going to do with the rest of the show, too? Exactly. <laughs> that was, I, mean, I they, was like, how do I book the rest of the show? But, I mean, you could you could continue on with Kushida and Walter. You could have that be a, a sequel. That's true. You have um, Rhea Ripley and um, uh, Bianca Belair are both going after um, Shayna Baszler right now for the title. How was uh, Bianca Belair's match? The match was fine. You know, uh, it's Dakota Kai is back. She came back last week. Okay. Uh, this is her second match. And it was kind of weird to see Dakota Kai lose already. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I understand you're you're reestablishing um, uh, Bianca Bianca Belair uh, at the moment um, to be someone for Rhea to go through as well. I'm, I'm hoping for Rhea to go through because Bianca has lost twice already to Shayna. Yeah, so do you think she is Shayna gonna? I mean, Shayna's gonna have a match though. Mm. Who do you think she faces? I think she faces Rhea again. Okay, so you think it's gonna be Rhea versus Shayna? Mm. All right, and then just before then, you'll have a number one's contender. Exactly. Match, what you're saying? Okay, I get it. Oh, they're supposed to have one next week. Oh, okay. Look at that. I did not know that. So, um, all right. So, so then, then after that, I mean, I guess you just do a couple little feuds and stuff like that because mm. they usually tend to do like you know five match cards. Honestly, and they don't need to do more than that. So, I, you, I guess you count you, the count. Um, the cruiserweight title will probably be there. Yeah, most likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could always pull up, like some of the NXT like UK guys exactly. too if you want to like throw some spotlight on the show. But I mean, right now they've got like half of their division up there anyway. So, um, who was the war game team again facing? Uh, you said I it, said it would be Undisputed Velveteen. Era versus Velveteen Dream, Tommaso Johnny. And um, uh, Finn. But then who's going for the tag team belts there? Well, they have the tag belts. I, I would assume it would be Tommaso and Johnny, but Tommaso wants the um, heavyweight title right now. Because I was really thinking like the Street Profits would somehow get into the match or something like that to go after those tag team belts. Or maybe we even see a situation where you would get like Walter and, you know, his uh, uh, Imperium, Imperium yeah. like, you know, up against, you know, Adam Cole. You know, and you know his his group. So um, it'd be cool, but I feel like they're gonna try to. You know, they're both heel teams at the moment. That's true. I mean, Undisputed Era is way over. But <laughs> you know, or you go to what my original theory was when Finn showed up. It's not gonna happen. How cool would it be? Though? It'd be really cool <laughs> to have Finn be like, "I brought some friends with me." Right, and then <laughs> lo and behold, AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson show up. How awesome would that be? That'd be a dream match. That would be worth the $60 pay-per-view. I mean, and if they're desperate, they're at war right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be a smart move. They're not going to do it. So, oh, God, man, I'd love it. (laughs) I would love it, but they're not going to do it. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're right, but man, I would love it. Well, uh, speaking of factions and all, let's get on over to AEW. So this show is just electric. Yes. Um, 
you know, right off the bat, I mean, the crowd was fucking rabid. I mean, they were, like, just on point, ready for the show. Like, literally foaming at mm-hmm. the mouth, ready for the show. I mean, that first, like, what, like, hour of the show was just I felt like no one sat down and it really brings something to the product when you have that kind of following and fans reacting that way Mm -hmm. um you know and I felt like it was all like deservingly so like I I thought the opening match was great um I really enjoyed it um I, I thought it really you know made private party um you know in one night which is huge but it shows you the power and the talent of the young bucks yes. to do so. But I mean, they made them into superstars. Um, but it was one of the better tag team matches of the year that I've seen. So, um, just a great way to open up your mm-hmm. second, you know, show and to kind of establish that whole like tag team tournament and everything. Um, so I mean, it 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 shows like why they really picked Private Party because it brings that. You know, younger demographic in and everything like that which they're killing nxt right now in like the only demographic i think nxt is winning is 55 plus yes yes which is just crazy but that's how raw is too Mm. they're all that you know it's like mostly like people who are 50 and up watching the show right now which is just you know bizarre to think at this point It, it does make me wonder what their ratings would be like on monday Yes. Um, I don't think it would be as high, but at the same time, I'm curious to see how many young viewers they could pull from a Raw show. But you know what? I'm fine with them being on Wednesday. I am. I'm wondering wondering if they eventually, I mean, if they eventually start like beating Raw in those like key demo areas, Mm -hmm. you know, because that would be a huge victory for them. So just for like advertising sake and everything like that, you know, and those are like coveted, coveted demos where like, you know, I think raw would really have to like change course, you know, WWE in general, mm-hmm. you know, they just don't have the talent right now that are, that are attracting younger fans. And I think the talent's actually there. They're just not pushing yes. the talent the right way and booking them the right way. They're not building you stars. Know? Exactly. And you had once again, not to go back to hell in the cell, but you had, their biggest thing, you know, for like a long time in the fiend, you know, their most over wrestler, and they find a way to fuck it up, you know, and they almost did it with Becky last year, if you remember, mm-hmm. where we're like, oh, they're gonna totally fuck this up, and they came very close the way they were booking her up to WrestleMania, so but they. It, I mean, knock on wood, I hope it's not permanent, but it seems like right now they definitely, you know, threw some fucking water on the fire that was Bray Wyatt and The Fiend. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're going to have to try to figure something out. They really are. Because AEW right now is the show mm-hmm. to watch. Um, just the whole vibe of the show. It feels huge. It feels super important. Um, it's must-see TV for a wrestling fan. Um, what did you think of uh, Jericho's promo? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant the way he introduced the inner circle as they are now being called. Yes. I was hoping he was going to go with Alpha List based uh-huh. off the way he was saying, um, you know, he that's why he's list. on my list. Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's going to call him the Alpha List or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm good with the name inner circle. Yes. Um, I was interested to see what their like logo and everything mm-hmm. was going to be. Like, I... I didn't even see the social media posts about the shirts being like live. I just like figured pro wrestling teams would have the shirts up, 
And lo and behold, the whole fucking site crashed. <laughs> like, I think both of us were trying to go mm-hmm. on and they just, it would come up for a second and just go down again. So, I mean, it, it, and they were saying that it's been a long time since their site, like, crashed like that. So, that's pretty fucking, it tells you, like, how rabid this, like, fan base yes. really is, you know. Um, but I thought Jericho did a great job of establishing all the wrestlers, you know, you know, in the faction. I thought that was awesome. Um, and it shows you, like, how skilled Jericho is on the mic. Because mm-hmm. he definitely wasn't scripted. You know, he was feeling the crowd and everything like that. He was calling audibles in the ring. You could tell um, even when the you know fans starts chanting, like, we the people and everything. You know, for a second, he kind of sits back and, like, lets them have the chance to just kind of air it out. But then I think, I feel like, like something clicked and he was like, wait a second, fuck that, you know? <laughs> um, it just, it felt important, mm-hmm. you know? And they it, it, right now, there are very few promos on the show, you know, so the last two weeks. Um I still would like to see them do just a couple more here and there just to establish the other wrestlers. Um, but they're doing it with the ring work, which is fine also. So um, like I liked what they did with um, Jimmy Havoc what, during his intro and they showed um, like a small video. Yeah, match. they gave a little intro. I, mm-hmm. um, they also did that with um, the tag match in the beginning of the show yes. where they got a little intro. I just I would like them to see more mm-hmm. like packages like that. And just like give some of those guys some more mic time too, because they're not going to get, you're not going to be able to establish them and they're not going to get any better, you know, with their mic work without them actually getting those reps in. So, um, but yeah, no, overall, I was super, you know, happy with the show. Um, what do you think of the women's division right now? Um, I, I feel like it's the weakest part of the show, and that's not a slight at the women at all. I think it's more they just haven't put them in the right direction. Um, Rio doesn't feel like she's getting enough like attention on her. Everything feels like it's still wrapped around Britt Baker versus Bea Presley in their match tonight, mm-hmm. and it it did nothing for the champion. It did nothing to further Bea Presley versus um, Britt Baker. Um, and then I don't know. The tag match just kind of felt weird yeah. and out of place in the show. Yeah, and I can't think of the other wrestler. The yeah, I, I'm Japanese not missing star. her name right now, but she comes out like uh, Freddie Mercury, and it's not, like it feels like she's supposed to be a face. But yes, but then working. she's working heel in the match. Yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> um, it also felt very thrown together yeah. too. So, um, you know, and I'd like to see them also have like a, you don't just have to have one women's match. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they only have two hours, but. Put a couple matches on to establish the rest of your, you know, women's division at least. You know, who these characters are and exactly. everything like that. So, yeah, it definitely needs a little more work. Um, what do you think about uh, Jimmy Havoc and uh, Darby Allen being, like, in a number one contenders match already? I thought it was weird. I'm glad that they brought it up. Yes. That um, uh, pack wasn't immediately thought of as a choice yes because they've been talking about like what mm-hmm. big wins he has he's undefeated and everything like that so i'm glad it seems like it's going to be part of the storyline yes. at least um but yeah it is a little weird um i they are counting the wins on uh what's the show now called the uh, uh aw dark dark there we go I did not catch Dark this mm-hmm. week. Did you catch Dark? No, I have not watched All it. All right, yet. but I, I've heard nothing but good things. Mm-hmm. 
Omega and Joey Janela uh, supposedly had a really great match this week. There, that's oh, going to okay. air on Dark. That's, yeah. So, um, you know, be on the lookout for that. So, um, but yeah, no, I love the concept of the show. I just don't know if I have another hour that I can commit to wrestling. <laughs> you know, I kind of wish week. that they would upload them as separate matches rather than one whole show. Really? Um, why? Why is that? I don't know. I feel like that's got more clickability to it. Mm. Um, if 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 I were to it's try all to those adver- clicks exactly if I was trying to advertise that out rather than it's just AW dark and then underneath it it just says an hour As, if I was just like looking at it randomly I I feel like I wouldn't pick that it's a nice way to get like the rest of your roster exposure mm. and stuff like that and if it's just like matches maybe they feel like it's not as important where if it's like a show and maybe it's something they're trying to establish to eventually put on like TNT. You know, maybe even then that like that old like WCW Saturday night slot, you know, mm. that, that could be fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like the concept of it, but you know, we'll see like if it t- catches on, you know, cause they're putting some fucking awesome matches on there. It sounds like, you know, but will it end up in the long run just being like Sunday night heat, mm. you know, where it just kind of is like just, you know, squash matches and then just, you know, shit furthering, you know, recaps of like, you know, other storylines going on in the main shows. So, uh, we, we shall see, but, um, it, it is a smart choice. The women's division definitely needs to be established. Um, I thought the commentary team kind of took a step backwards this week. Um, at least the first like half hour, it just felt like something was off or like, mm. I didn't, I, it might've even been like technical issues or something. Like it just felt like they weren't like flowing and like maybe they couldn't hear or something weird was going on. Cause that crowd was super loud, mm-hmm. but like I never heard JR like flub so many things in like a 15 minute period. Um, and it just felt like they were just like talking over each other. They didn't know when to start to talk and like when to stop talking. So it just felt like they're off. I mm. felt like, you know, the first show they had a much stronger like showing. Um, I, I But by the end, it felt like they kind of like, you know, calmed themselves down and, you know, it was smooth sailing at least. But like that first like half hour was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I was like, almost like, you know, someone's headset not working, mm. you know, they just felt really like just, I don't know, just choppy, you know, and on top of each other. Well, uh, what were your thoughts on Mox versus Spears? I thought it was a good match. Um, They did a better job of establishing, you know, actually trying to distract the referee mm-hmm. this week. And I kind of saw that throughout the show. Um, there weren't as many like blatant like yes. you know I'm gonna cheat right in front of the, the refs and um, you know it it was a fine match I I I liked the ending with Kenny I did think it was a little weird with like Pack coming out hitting you know Kenny in the head with the chair and then Moxley didn't capitalize on yeah because I know he's supposed to be a face technically but you know. Like, last week established him willing to sneak up, you know, behind him in the middle of a match and then put him through a fucking glass table. So I don't know why he wouldn't fucking take advantage of, you know, a situation like that. So that was a little weird, but I guess, you know, you're still booking Moxley as a face Mm. overall. I kind of wish he wasn't wearing the New Japan gear, but that's just me. Really? I wanted him to wear the pants that he's been coming out in. Oh, he is wearing the fucking gear, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. 
Because we were kind of speculating that he would actually wear the the gear that we saw him, like Jump Kenny. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I didn't even notice it, but I am with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the gear's fine, though. It's fine. Overall. Yeah, it's, we're just it just picky. shows you, though, like the intensity level that he has in the match. He reminded me of fucking Stone Cold in that match. Mm. Um, which is fucking high praise. Like, Stone Cold's just a fucking straight-up brawl, and that Spears match is just a straight-up fucking brawl. Like, but he's, like, on fire the entire match. He's just nonstop, like, coming at him. Um, so I was like, holy shit, where was this John Moxley in WWE? Because at times it always feel like he was moving in slow motion. Um, so, it, like, he was, like, wrestling underwater almost. So I was like, holy fuck. I really enjoyed the intensity of the match. Um, so I, I I don't know. No, I'm excited to be able to see Moxley every week, like this version yes. of the character and everything like it that. It doesn't look like he's trying to set up a move set at all times. Like in yeah. WWE, he had to do, you know, the rebound off the ropes. Oh, and God, that fucking, the, the turnaround exactly. clothesline that he would do like three times a fucking match. It felt like, oh, we have to sell these moves as your moves. Whereas now, he's just going out there and scrapping. Yeah. You know? Well, and I'm sure they're not getting mandated like, okay, well, in this match, we're going to have this move and this move and this move, so stay away from those moves. Or we're going to work on this body part, so stay away from working on this body part. Because it, it's super restrictive, you know? Mm. And some of it I get. I understand why you want to do that. But, you know, at the same time, if you're going to really just take the canvas away from the wrestlers, I mean, how are you expect them to create anything out mm. there that makes sense mm. art-wise? So, um, but yeah, no, I, I really did dig the match though. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they let Spears actually pick up some wins though, because they kind of established him as like, you know, this bigger deal and now he's 0-2. Mm-hmm. So at least let him get into a feud where he can like, you know, establish himself again. And, and if I can be nitpicky. Okay. Maybe don't have him just sitting in a chair for his entrance. Yeah, that kind of sucked. Yeah, I was like, this made sense for the pay per view where you're like, you know, you're pointing out that you're the chairman and everything. But now it's just kind of like, yeah, the feud's eh. over. Yeah, <laughs> let's move on. I was actually surprised he stuck with that nickname. Yeah, at this point, and then he kind of started going back to the ten thing. Well, I, I don't have match. a problem with. Just you know, re- you're reestablishing yourself, though, <laughs> and you're trying to, you know, wash that whole NXT thing off of you. So. It's in his, like, shirt name. It's Perfection with a 10. <laughs> I'm done with it, though. Like, I felt like he overdid it in NXT, mm. and now he's supposed to be this new character. I mean, just move on, man. <laughs> he's got a mohawk and blue contacts. Come on. All right. <laughs> so, end of the show, we got a huge brawl after the match, which was... Um, Dustin Rhodes and Adam Page versus um, Sammy Guevara and Jericho. Uh, what were your thoughts? I thought it was good. I, I really did. I kind of like set up a lot of things that are upcoming, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, these two kind of warring factions. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was intense. Um, the crowd was super hot for it. I mean, you can't end every show like that. Yeah. Because it's going to get old fast. But I think, you know, it, it kept them with the momentum going into like next week. So, um, and I thought they did a great job with like introducing like Darby Allen into like the fray and everything. 
that skateboard spot was fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I did not see that coming whatsoever. So I really dug that. Um, I don't like seeing like a new faction get like beat down. And it was pretty like back and forth and everything. And they had mm-hmm. to like keep on bringing out faces to, um, you know, take them on before they finally, you know, got over on them. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, it it's a really fun, like, breakneck pace for the show that they've got going right now. Um, so, I don't know, man. I'm excited for next week, honestly. You know? It's a fun time to be a wrestling party. fan. It mm. really is. You know, WWE aside, <laughs> I just love that we have these alternative choices now, mm. you know, at our disposal. Um, you know, and then, like, you know, New Japan on top of everything, too. So I don't know if you got a chance to check out NWA Power. No, I've heard nothing but good things though. Super like, old school yeah, and everything. People are raving about. It. Did you watch it? <laughs> I I watched a segment of it because I did share it on our Facebook page. It's, it's supposed to be a straight strength. like studio show, mm-hmm. which is totally fucking classic, like <laughs> NWA. Um, so like right away, I'm on board for that. I don't know who's like uh, the commentating team or oh. Jim Cornette, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he's good at what he does, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I know Billy Corgan is a huge, like, historian of wrestling and everything like that. So, I don't know, man. I I, I don't know if I can devote any more time to wrestling. God damn it. <laughs> you think about it. Because with, you know, Dark now, yes. AEW Dark. And then end it because they're both on Tuesdays. Also, mm-hmm. it's another two hours of <laughs> wrestling a week. I'm not saying it's mandatory. I was just uh, saying, you know, if you want, I feel like it's something right up your alley. Yeah, no, we'll see. I probably <laughs> all right. Uh, well, since we're not talking raw, so maybe maybe we can. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And Impact is going to be on Tuesdays yes. too. So. Holy shit, man. It's sad enough to say that Raw and SmackDown actually made me more interested in checking out Impact this week. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? You know, they're literally pushing people out the door at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Make sure you head over to DramaCityProductions.com. That's our network. You can find us as well as plenty of other great shows. Definitely check us out there. Otherwise, you can check us out on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on everything that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, uh, make def- sure you go ahead and subscribe, rate, and exactly. review. Um, but yeah, and then uh, if you want to go ahead and further support the show, make sure you go ahead and pick yourself some sweet nerd swag up over at ProWrestlingTees.com. As long as their site isn't crashed, yes, you can yes. find us there as yes. well. <laughs> um, and you, you can go ahead and pick up an Inner Circle shirt, too, while you're at it, right? Exactly. So, if the site is crashed. After you, can... you buy our shirt, though. <laughs> exactly. If the site is crashed, you can head over to tpublic.com. You can find our gear there as well. That was a nice transition. I'm sorry I was stepping all over that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we got assorted amount of styles and, you know, hell, you can even get a coffee mug over at exactly. tpublic. So, um, but other than that, uh, go ahead and check out the music you're hearing right now. That's Greg Brebner over at SoundCloud. Um, he's our house DJ. And he's also a great follow on Instagram. Exactly. Um, next week we're going to be talking more horror icons so definitely stay with us there that's horror month going all month that's right so uh, that's going to do it for this week yes my name's Christian and my name's Damon that's the amazing nerd show
A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti.